Friends, welcome to another episode of Free to Love. After spending the last two episodes making a case for the importance of a healthy understanding of and foundation for identity, we move on to an incredibly practical topic, emotional well-being. Essential to the cultivation of healthy relationships in a meaningful life is the development of the understanding and tools necessary to deepen our emotional well-being. In our conversation this week, we examine some of the cultural forces that can undermine a healthy emotional life, ranging from a detached stoicism on the one hand to an ungrounded over-identification with our emotional states on the other. A basic understanding of the role that neurology and neurochemistry plays in our emotional well-being can practically help us give and receive grace as we journey towards health together. The healing journey invites us to find the middle path between these two poles and develop a resilient capacity to hold space for and accurately honor all our emotions while identifying healthy ways to restrain and express them. In doing so, we learn a lesson from the witness of the Psalms, that our emotions can serve us well as guides to map the inner workings of our souls. Both positive and negative alike belong and can invite us towards courageous and vulnerable expression that leads us deeper into relationship with God and ultimately empowers us to step out of victimhood or detachment and isolation and into an active presence and greater freedom to love God, ourselves, one another, and the world. So as always, friends, we hope that this week's conversation is a blessing and a gift to you. We encourage you to continue on the healing journey one step at a time. Be kind to yourselves. Jeff, Jen, great to be with you again. Hello, Joseph. Hello. How we doing? Joseph. We're doing Jen. well today. Good. Are you guys uh, excited to talk oh. about emotional well-being? Yes. I am so emotional about this. Did we bring the Kleenex? <laughs> uh, actually, oh, you know what? I've got a box good. right next to me. This is a Yay. good counseling office. You have a... Uh, you, right. you got all the necessary supplies. Emotions and yeah. feelings. Right. And automatically, some people want to turn this podcast off right now just by saying <laughs> <Yeah>. those words. <laughs> Absolutely. Or they're going, what? What are you guys talking about? What, what are those? Yes. Oh, yes. Because emotions are um, a loaded topic these days, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. How, in what ways do you see it as a loaded topic, Jen? Well, like I said, some people want to turn it off because they don't want to talk about emotions. Mm. Emotions are touchy-feely. They don't even want to go there. Let's not go there. Oh, dear, somebody's getting worked up, and they just want to clam up and mm. end the meeting yeah. now before anybody goes beyond a stoic face. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so there's some people that just want to turn off emotions. Um, I think that comes, that comes from you know this dynamic from modernity, probably, that values thought and thinking and mm-hmm. the head way above the heart. And so then they... There's that, there's that mentality out there that if you think something, that's better than feeling something. And so people are told to stuff their feelings. Um, well, for a guy, I'm going to speak for a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that means I have to stop and, and uh, do a little examination and look inside myself. And that's, mm-hmm. not, that's not fun to do at times. And it's not easy to do. What do you think guys are taught? Like, how would you, in a nutshell, about emotions? We're taught. That's it. Mm. It's all about, it's really about teach me. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think 
one of the things that's been really transformative for me is I think most of my Christian life is um, I've understood Christianity based upon information and what do I know about the Bible? Sure. Uh, what do I know about the history of the Bible? What do I know about the character of the Bible? And I've learned that, wow, there's a, no, there's a whole other aspect of the gospel, and that's reading the stories of these major characteristics of, um, of these men and women in the Bible. There's so much passion and emotion and mm. feelings and intensity that I never really was aware of till maybe about five, ten years ago when God started to get a hold of me. Oh, man. I think you're right, though. It's true. Women are generally, culturally, allowed to be feelers, mm-hmm. and men are told to stuff it. To hide yeah. their emotions, or real men don't cry. Isn't that the saying? Yeah. Yeah. Which we all disagree with in this room <laughs> yeah. here. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you mentioned, Jen, that uh, when the topic of emotions come up, some people immediately begin to become uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we don't want to go there because it, it does require a degree of um, vulnerability and yeah. courage because you are sharing. Uh, insecurities, you're, you're opening up your precious insides, right? It's impossible to talk about, I mean, I guess we could talk about emotions entirely conceptually, but really sharing them, which is what counts, um, is a very vulnerable experience. Um, and sometimes it's also just, it's vulnerable to be in the presence of somebody who is sharing their, their emotions. Yes. But before we actually get there, I, I think one thing I have noticed, this is true of my own story but I've seen this come up in the men's groups that we've led and that I've got to be a part of is that a lot of people do not have the vocabulary of emotional well-being. So it's yeah, that's they are good. not sure. even able to, and this is, once again, we don't want to overly characterize men and women, right? But I do love what you said that women are given culturally more permission mm-hmm. to be. Now, sometimes that can swing... That's a that's a double edged sword, yes, right? Because a lot of times women run into a glass ceiling of leadership or whatnot, and, and their yeah. emotionality, yes. you know, is their words are invalidated because yeah. there was an emotion attached to yeah. them. Yeah, oh, you're just so yep. emotional. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. just yeah. so emotional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but they're dismissed of, because of it. Totally. Yeah. Totally. But it it does that highlights um, how much we were shaped by yeah the rationality of modernity, the Enlightenment, mm-hmm. and kind of the whole Western tradition. Mm-hmm is a very head-centric one. Yeah. And as we talked last week, uh, or last episode, um, the the fracturing of kind of the heritage of Neoplatonism. We've mm-hmm. compartmentalized our lives. Mm-hmm. And so I remember in a session actually with uh, with you, Jeff, you you asked me like, hey, you could see I was feeling something. We'd kind of gotten to a, a hard hard topic and you asked me what I was feeling and I didn't know. I was like, you know what, actually, I, I don't yeah. know what I'm feeling. I don't know how to put it to words. You don't have the words for yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that shows us, too, you're hitting on our cultural field right now mm-hmm. is there's one mentality that says um, they undervalue emotions, mm. they devalue emotions because the head is dominant and the emotions are... They just run amok and, and we don't like that. And they're too scary and uncomfortable or they're dismissed as being, um, they're too irrational, so they get dismissed. And if you're emotional, then everything you said is mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. dismissed. 
Um, or there's the other end of the pendulum swing, mm. which is to overvalue emotions. And mm. I think we see that in our culture right now too, where emotions are king. Emotions determine reality. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel this, therefore it's what's real. Yeah. I feel this, so therefore that's what's true. Mm-hmm. You might feel this, but I feel this, and that determines my reality. And so I think we also see that in culture where um, emotions are given way too much power, yeah. mm. um, that they rule all. And if as long as you feel good about something, you'll do it. If I feel bad about it, well, then I'm out. Like It, it dominates everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah. I, and I think specifically, if we look really look at this more clearly when it comes to our culture, uh, is that we have put emotions on the pedestal. Yeah. Uh, so actually, and I'm just clarifying what you're saying, is that emotion equals reality. So it's not about truth. It's about what you're feeling. And so if you question what I'm feeling, then you're actually you're questioning my sense of my identity because I now define myself based upon my feelings and, and my emotions. Yes. So I think um, that's what we're dealing with in our culture today. Yeah. Um, and so we see actually the dismissal of, I believe, common sense, of rationality, and even I think science mm. is that science is not significant it's not as significant to what you feel. Yeah. We we so the, I we see both ends, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. The downplaying of emotions or the mm-hmm. the over accentuating of emotions, giving them too much power. And so we are here to talk about um our perspective on yes. it. Where I think that emotions are God given and they have a good and wonderful purpose. They should not be ignored or dismissed. They are very valuable, mm-hmm. and yet they are not reality. They do mm-hmm. not determine reality. They do not determine what is true. Um, I love, there's a psalm that says, our hearts may fail, our hearts may give way, but our Lord God stands as our rock and redeemer. Yeah. And I like that because our hearts can be fickle sometimes. Our yeah. emotions can change within the hour. But our God and mm-hmm. what is true stands firm, steady, and constant because he determines what is reality and what is true. So uh, I think we should explain well, yeah. how are emotions valuable and wonderful? Yeah. What makes them so good? I think um, that we, can't, I think we cannot dismiss emotions because it's, the, it's at the very heart of humanity. Mm. Um, and so emotions is not... Dis, is a distinction from our thought, but actually incorporates our thought. Emotion isn't a distinction just from our biology, but actually it's incorporated in our biology. If you understand the Latin word of emotion, it, it is a motif, which is A-M-O-T-I-V, which means energy that drives. It's, it's, it's an energy that actually precedes our reaction. It's without emotions... It is the fuel that drives the engine of our body. Mm-hmm. Mm. Emotions are a fuel mm-hmm. that ignite or that drive our bodies. That's what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. So they are they par- they're a part of that passion within us. It's part of that mm-hmm. human experience is to feel, to have emotion, to respond to the world around us, 
it's it's part of the fullness of the human experience. Yeah. I do think they're God given for that. He mm-hmm. wants us to not just think and observe and <laughs> analyze everything around us, but to um interact in a in a way that is deep and um integrates our whole yeah. selves together. And that's really if we understand from a biblical standpoint, is it be, being created in the image of God, is that I mean God God is an emotional God. And if we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was highly emotional. I mean, he got angry. He was he experienced severe anguish when, when he was in the Garden of, of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he experienced deep sadness and grief when uh, Lazarus died. He cried. So we see he mm-hmm. he was a, a fully human, and to be fully human was this capacity of expressing the fullness of all of his emotions. And you know, if you understand just reading through Psalms, I mean, read the, the mm-hmm. Psalms of and David is how much emotion every particular type of emotion of grief of sadness of sorrow of anger of re- revenge all those emotions are we we are packed into mm-hmm. the psalms throughout the and also throughout the characters of scriptures of the individual so it's a powerful manifestation how emotions is so important i think part of the purpose of emotions is it gives us um, an insight into what's into how we are processing the world around us. Mm-hmm. Emotions give us a, a good read on ourselves of how healthy we are, what our perspective is, and how we are interpreting the things around us. Um, so I think sometimes we are emotions happen because of past things that we've been through that we're currently processing, and so we encounter something right now in the moment that kicks up an emotion because mm-hmm. of how we have interpreted something from the past. Sometimes it's it's a live happening in the motion. We react because of how we are um, responding to it, what it what it brings up in us, and yeah, I think that's one of the good purposes of it. Totally, I we use you know throughout the the skills course and throughout a lot of um, you know the body of literature and this kind of field, um, we use the language of story, the importance mm-hmm. of knowing your story, right, and a lot of what people are being invited into is this process of, um, of mining your past story mm-hmm. um, and, and be able to map that yeah. so that we get to a place ultimately of freedom where we can begin to exercise agency and, um, and we can start right, you know, co-authoring our story with God rather than being, you know, a victims or controlled by somebody else's narrative. And I also, so I, I oftentimes think of emotions as it's been helpful for me to think of emotions as clues mm. that help me, if I choose to investigate them, will reveal which story I'm living out of. Oh, I like that That's metaphor. Yeah. yeah, because just like you were saying so often, right, when I am, I notice, I observe, I practice non-judgmental observance of myself, and I see, man, I'm really, I'm, I'm very angry right now. And if I get curious about that, it's like, okay, that leads me down one step further. Let's say, well, anger is a secondary emotion. What's the primary emotion yeah. I'm feeling underneath that? Mm-hmm. I'm feeling powerless. Well, wh- wh- why am I feeling powerless? And what? Oh, well, of course, you know, I've now been able to map. Oh, well, a lot of you know. Here's here's a core memory that I have, or a core wound, and uh, that where that feeling really finds its ground and it's got its talons in my own heart and in my psyche, and. Uh, it's only then that I can begin to positively integrate, you know, and view a lot of those darker emotions as valuable. Yeah. Well, Joseph, what you just described is 
um, the definition of emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence is, is one's ability to be aware of your emotions, to identify those emotions, and then to understand our emotions. Mm. So to be aware, to identify, and then to begin to understand. And we know there's a difference between knowledge and understanding. Mm. And that requires us to slow down and to have the courage to process our hearts and our souls and begin to, in, in relationship with God, ask God to show us, um, Lord, show me, uh, search my heart to see if there's any hurtful way in me. And I know David prayed that. He says, Lord, why am I so downcast within my soul? Mm-hmm. So the capacity from a biblical standpoint of what you're sharing is emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. is our capacity and our maturity to be able to develop self-awareness and then to put words to it, identified, and then to understand the origin mm-hmm. of where, where, where it's the origin of those emotions, those feelings. And then to use them well. That's part of emotional intelligence too, right? Mm-hmm. It's the awareness of your emotions. They are this fuel that can drive us. They are this, they give us clues into what's happening inside of us, um, into how we're processing our past or the things around us right now. And then health and maturity is when we can identify them, our emotions, and then use them in productive ways. Mm-hmm. So we're not just like shut down by our emotions or we're not um, driven to isolation or we're not driven to like, you know, outburst everything because, well, this is the way I feel. But instead, emotional intelligence is being able to identify what you're feeling and and use it in a healthy, productive way. Yeah. So if I'm in a conversation with somebody and conflict is rising and I realize that I'm I'm feeling... Um, gosh, an anxious or um, an unsafe or an emotion, or I'm getting upset or angry. So I've got these these emotions happening, and I can do that self reflection. What's what's getting kicked up in Jen right now? Um, and then go, okay. Emotional intelligence is going to is going to teach me how to manage that. So I'm not going to just lash out at the person mm-hmm. I'm having this conversation with. Instead, I can um, then realize, oh, this is what this is kicking up in me. This is what maybe is a false belief that I'm living into mm-hmm. right now. So I can address that. I can ask questions. I can take my emotions mm-hmm. as a test that says, mm, I'm learning something about this situation right now. And I can use that to make myself more curious, um, to determine my steps forward from it. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be how emotions can be this great yeah. tool that God g- gives us. I think, um, you know, 10 years ago when I had to do a deep dive into my own heart and soul, through my own pain, um, is that I, I recognize there is a difference between my knowledge, my gifting, my anointing, and that of my ability to be emotionally present and to mm. be loving. And I think that, that there's this great divide in our church today is that we can really admire someone because they can, they can dissect and they can teach the Word of God or, be, or they can articulate truth. How many times have we seen, unfortunately, in our culture, great leaders, theologians, apologists, who we had no idea they had a secret side to their life? Mm. They, were, they had no idea that there was this dark side, that they were emotionally bankrupt. Mm. And so what we're, what we're discovering and, um, is that true, true discipleship is, I think, 
traditional discipleship has been more head knowledge. And what we're discussing here is we need to integrate. We need to be able to sit down. We need to slow down. We need to um, be still, and we need to begin to process and ask hard questions about are you aware of what you're feeling? Are you... Are, can you identify your emotions, the negative emotions, those painful emotions? Mm-hmm. And can you, do you have the courage to be able to articulate and to share in a safe environment what you're feeling and why mm-hmm. you're feeling that? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the, the journey of true transformation that we're seeing, that we've all experienced yeah. in our own life, that I think we're seeing now in our culture, in our church culture, God's moving us in that direction. Yeah. I, I think I've heard you say this in, in groups before. Um, so. It, it, Feel free to take all the credit. In fact, you came up with this brilliant line. But There's I've heard you. <laughs> I've heard you say it's impossible to be spiritually mature if you are emotionally immature. Yeah, and I I stole that from Peter Scazzaro. Oh, that's <laughs> right. but of course the patron saint <laughs> of right. emotionally healthy spirituality. Shout out no, to him. He's, he's been on the. He's one of the pioneers on this whole area of emotional mm-hmm. and spiritual well being. One of the things I was hearing from both of you, uh, implicit, so let's draw it out and be a little bit more explicit about it, is that this idea of emotional well-being and specifically emotional maturity is something that is others-directed ultimately, mm. right? Um, so, I've, and I heard you talking beforehand, Jen, You, I love this, you said, too often... Um, emotions lead into a cul-de-sac in our day and age. And a lot of the tools, mm. right, whether that's assessment tools, personality theories, whatever, um, we get stuck in the, the cul-de-sac of navel-gazing perhaps, right? Yeah. Yeah, self-awareness. The trap of self-awareness. We think that that's the end game. Like, oh, I just want to be aware of what I'm feeling, aware of myself, aware of... And we stop there. Mm-hmm. So you're like, oh, I'm angry. Or I don't like that. Or I... You learn something about yourself, the self-awareness, and then you just end your journey there. And mm-hmm. I think what we're encouraging um, as part of emotional health is to start there, start with that self-awareness and then let that guide you into the next step, which would be self-regulation, mm-hmm. which is where you use what you just learned mm-hmm. as your awareness to in productive, growing, beautiful ways. Mm-hmm. So if you are re- recognizing um, you do some soul search self-awareness and go, oh, um, I am really upset about this thing. And I, I know where it comes from. It's from this unhealed wound in the past of mm. unforgiveness. So every time my, I don't know, your father enters the room, you just want to blow up and just lose your mm-hmm. cool. That mm-hmm. Okay, now you're self-aware. <laughs> but you use that to guide in, into the next steps of how can my awareness of my anger towards my dad, how can God use this? What is this telling me about what God might want to be speaking to me. What's my next steps here? And that's the self-regulation. Yeah. Self-awareness doesn't give us a license to then, you know, blow up on each other mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's it's something that provo- provokes us to go back to the Lord and say, okay, what are you teaching me? Mm-hmm. Um, and that self-regulation of, okay, now that I'm aware, I can choose my actions. I can choose how I respond. I can choose how I hold these emotions um, how do I express them in a healthy, mature way? Um, how do I, maybe I need to step away and go journal about it. Maybe I need to go and um, work on, you know, my forgiveness path or whatever it may be mm-hmm. to, um, but emotions can spark um, good growth in us. Jeff, could you 
or Jen, feel free to, to try and answer this too. Um, I'm wondering if we could paint a picture for us about what healthy expression of emotion might look like. So what, what healthy expression of emotion looks like um, at the, at the very epicenter of healthy emotion is our capacity to love. Mm. That has to be the compass of our soul. So when we talk about what does healthy expression look like, it really begins with, first of all, is do you like yourself? <laughs> it, we, are, we cannot be healthy to the point of loving others if we're not healthy enough to love ourselves. And this is why we know the great commandment says to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Mm. So, and I know this is some, some, some people really have a difficult time looking at this, but we can't separate, I, we cannot separate self-knowledge from God-knowledge. We cannot separate from self-acceptance from that of, of acceptance from God. Mm. Um, so we have to we have to recognize the importance of having the courage to look in into our own hearts and to evaluate and understand who we are. We know as believers that cannot happen apart from the Holy Spirit. But so so being able to analyze and know our story, to evaluate our story, to process our story, to identify our feelings, and then to take ownership of our feelings. That is foundational for us then to manage our feelings, and then it leads us to compassion and empathy for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's really, you know, we know the four quadrants of emotional intelligence we have in, in chapter three of, of uh, the skills material, is that self-awareness precedes self-management or managing our emotions, which mm-hmm. precedes relational awareness, which precedes relational management. Mm -hmm. So that's really the process of what I believe is really transformation. But at the very essence, the core is, is are we discovering freedom to love? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You were asking also, Joseph, what are healthy expressions of emotions? And I was thinking, um, one test of a healthy expression of emotion never infringes on the dignity or the honor of another person. Mm -hmm. And so that's including yourself. So um, your emotion, healthy expression of emotions always honors yourself and the other. Mm -hmm. And so you can still express negative emotions in, in a way that still honors the dignity of the other person um, as well as yourself. You can uh, express beautiful, wonderful emotions um, that still honor the dignity and and the humanity of the other person as mm. well. Um, so anything that's, that's debasing good, yeah. or that's really good, yeah, yeah. That's, that's profound. Thanks. Because yeah. uh, I was thinking too how emotions can also connect people. Mm-hmm. Um, you share a heartbeat. You know, we say expressions like that, but. Positive, beautiful emotions can really draw people together, mm-hmm. and it allows us. I mean, think about empathy. Um, to be able to sit in a, a lonely place, just side by side with another, and just feel 
Mm-hmm. No words. There is no logic. It's not rational sometimes, but mm-hmm. just to be able to connect on that emotional mm-hmm. level is very healing yeah. and very powerful. Um, but an, a healthy expression of that is still going to honor their dignity and humanity. Mm-hmm. It's not going to try and take over their mm-hmm. emotions or absorb their emotions mm-hmm. as your own. So that's where boundaries come in. Yeah. Emotionally healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's a good little plumb line is, is the honoring one another. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's a human developmental component to this, as we talk about, of honor and the dignity of a life. And it really has its origin in a mother-child relationship. And that um, true love as a, a baby is expressed by a mother's ability to be present mm. and yeah. to hold them. Mm. Yeah. It's because... A baby does not have the neocortex brain to be able to process and understand and to bring words to what what love is, what care is. But a baby is very attuned to feeling cared for and feeling safe if a mother is demonstrating affection. Mm -hmm. And when a baby cries or a baby's hungry, is that the response of the mother to be there to care to be emotionally present with the child is really the essence of healthy humanity and to be present. We all know that that's not always the truth and that we live in a broken world. And we all know that as wonderful as our parents can be, that there's other distractions and there's other things going on in our parents' lives Mm. that they were not present. They were not emotionally attuned to our needs. Mm. And we know that that opens the door to trauma, mm-hmm. to feeling of a, of a baby experiencing, unbeknownst to their own cognition, experiencing some level of, of woundedness, of, yeah. of shattered emotions, of shattered thoughts, yeah. mm-hmm. which creates fragmentation, yeah. which creates polarization, where then our natural, our natural tendency in mm-hmm. our brain is to go to a place of compartmentalizing our emotions because they're not safe. Yeah. Yeah, that can lead us to either stuffing our emotions because you learned don't let them out. Um, they drive people away or the opposite of get more emotional because it's the only way you'll get that attention or that affection mm-hmm. or that response. Yeah, you that's know, good stuff. We're, we're just on the cusp of moving into the neuroscience mm-hmm. of some of this, yeah. which I do want us to, to talk about because I think it's, one, it's fascinating, but two, it's profoundly helpful for a lot of people with regard to connecting to... Um, this material, it's an it's a avenue into understanding emotional health and well-being. Um, but before we get there, one thing that came to mind as I was listening to you guys talk was, and asking myself this question, hey, what does healthy expression of emotion look like? Um, is we, we go back to scripture where we're given pictures of that. I mean, you mentioned yeah. the Psalms, Jeff, right? The Psalms contain the whole kaleidoscope of human emotion. Mm-hmm. And one of the big lessons that we can draw from the Psalms, from inhabiting them, from praying them, is the the truth that God um, God can handle all of our emotions, mm-hmm. right? Mm. So there is no emotion that is inappropriate for us to not uh, bring to God. Absolutely. And that's what we see Christ modeling in Gethsemane, right? Yeah. Which is, okay, hey, these... Because particularly for the darker shades of emotions... Um, I don't know why I'm always drawn there. Maybe it's because I'm from the Northwest and, you know, grew up under a rain cloud. Uh, but um, 
you know, when I'm feeling really mad and I want to scream and yell, um, mm-hmm. God can take that. Yeah. And God can take that in a way that doesn't, it doesn't dishonor him. In yeah. fact, actually, in a strange way, it honors him, right? Whereas if I, if I'm in a fight with Kelly and I start expressing my anger, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I'm yelling or something, well, that mm-hmm. that's disrespectful, right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't, she doesn't deserve that. Mm-hmm. So I just am, I'm so grateful for, um, for the spiritual side of stuff. Um, it's such a profound resource that we have to be able to express our emotions fully in front of God. It's so true. He's not scared off by any of our emotions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've battled depression before, and there's some really dark places that you're, the dark nights of the soul, they say, yeah. you know, deep pits of despair that I am, I'm too afraid to share with those who love me because yeah. I'm just like, what will they think of me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But God is never afraid to go there with me. Mm-hmm. God is already there. And he's like, I, I've, I've been here this whole time and I'm not going to leave you alone in this place. Yeah. Your emotions don't scare me. Your thoughts don't scare me. They don't mm-hmm. run me away. Mm-hmm. I'm right here with you in the midst of them. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful, Joseph. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, that's the, I think that is profound. And it is at the heart of the gospel mm-hmm. is God is not afraid of our emotions. In mm-hmm. fact, he embraces us in those dark places, the soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's an example of how the um, being self-aware of my emotions, like allowing my emotions to show me um, where I was believing some really deep lies. Mm-hmm. And so because I was feeling these things, they allowed me to recognize some deep lies that I was internalizing, that I was then able to challenge those lies, let God talk to me about them, mm-hmm. really confront them, really uproot them. I realized where they came from. Uh, I, I was able to wrestle them until I really absorbed and learned and received the truth. And um, emotions were a helpful guide in yeah. that journey of realizing how much if I internalized what is true that God says about me. And as the emotions lifted, I could they were a good test for me to tell, I really am believing this is true. Mm-hmm. I feel different. My countenance is different. Yeah. Um, and it's a sign for me of... Um, so emotions were a great guide. Mm-hmm. They didn't determine reality. They didn't mean that those lies were then yeah. reality. They just were a good test um, for me to tell my internal state of mm-hmm. being. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, and I, I, this is in session three in the book, that emotions is the voice piece of our soul. Yeah. Um, so if we want to know the condition and the well-being of our soul, is we need to we need to slow down and be attuned to what's going on emotionally within us. Mm-hmm. You want to take us to some of that brain science there, Joseph? <laughs> yes. Well, one of the <laughs> yeah, let's. I think it is a perfect segue because <laughs> um, the the process I just heard you describe, Jen. Um, which was the process of healthy emotional regulation. Mm. And it's a long patterned practice. Um, We've, I'm sure people have heard this term by now because there's been lots that's been, um, I'm sure there's plenty of TED Talks about this, but, you know, the neuroplasticity of the brain is the brain's ability to adapt and to change, to create new neural pathways. Um, Yeah. You can, I mean... (laughs) That can that can move in an unhealthy direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we see that addiction from a neurological component. Yeah. Um, you get these deep ruts that become destructive 
and are not life-giving, they're, they're life-taking. Yeah. But we can also, you know, therapy, group therapy, individual therapy, um, this sort of story work and healing journey that we're inviting people on, we do it in part because similarly, you can rewire your brain. But um, Jeff, I was wondering if you could unpack for us because you're far more of the expert here than well, I, I am. No, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> Not, none yeah, of us, I, let's just I, say that none of us are neuroscientists. Yeah, um, that's true. Like yeah. <laughs> my couple degrees in theology does no does not help me understanding exactly yeah. what's going on in the brain. But Jeff, could you talk to us about it a little bit? Well, I you know just first uh, let me just say that um, in the just in the last fifteen years, is the this whole new awareness of the neuroplasticity of the brain is revolutionary. Mm. I, and I I think that as as a follower of Christ, it really does substantiate um, biblical truth of the importance of how the process of what transformation is all about, that we can change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That no matter no matter what we've been through, no matter what crisis, whatever trauma, whatever abuse we've encountered, is that there is hope because we now know that uh, the plasticity of brain can be, we can rewire our brain. That's right. And that is so encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so how we renew our minds is we need to rewire our brain. And so, you know, God in his great creativity and his wisdom, and he, he really chose to give us two brains. Mm-hmm. He gave us the rational brain, uh, which helps us to, what helps us to make sound decisions, mm-hmm. um, and which is in our prefrontal lobe in the cortex. And then we have the emotional brain, which helps us to make quick decisions and it lives in our limbic system. So which is interesting is that the rational brain processes information 500 milliseconds, where the emotional brain processes information two milliseconds. So that's 250 times faster. Mm. So the reality is, is that there's really not two brains, but God created one brain but the emotional well-being and our capacity to be more attuned to ourselves, our ability to be more loving to others, is when we integrate the emotional brain, the right, the right side of the brain, to our cognition, to our common sense, logical brain is the left brain. So that process of integration, and as you said, Joseph, of beginning to process our story, to share our stories, and with that come memories emotional memories of our past of where we've encountered pain, where we've experienced trauma, to be able to identify those, the emotions that attach to the lies, then we can empower ourselves to begin to transform by coming against those lies, speaking truth of who we are in Christ, and then creating new actions in our lives. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving, that's just a brief overview <laughs> of really the whole the whole process of uh, the skills material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the rewiring of the brain. And the rewiring of our brain. Yeah. So part of the storytelling I really like is that we, and I know this has been true for me for most of my adult life, is I buried my emotions. But I, I, I buried my emotion not out of choice, is my brain naturally did that to protect myself. Yeah. Because I didn't have the capacity, I didn't have the tools in order to be able to process those painful emotions from my crisis. But what I've learned is that the reality is that um, when we bury our emotions, we bury them alive. 
Mm. And that there are times in our life that we will resurrect old emotions when we get triggered. Mm. And the beautiful thing about it is that when we do get triggered, um, and then we experience some reaction and some strong emotion, is we need to reframe that is not as um, as a uh, as a negativity, but as an opportunity for growth and transformation. Because the place where we hurt the deepest is the place that God wants to heal us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like you were saying, um, Jeff, with these this these good systems that God built us with, but that limbic system is that responsive. Um, our, it's our response mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. It's the part of us that senses danger because it's made, he gives us these things for our good, right? To keep us safer. Um, we can see, oh, there's a bear running after me, like fight or flight, right? Mm-hmm. And so that part of our brain kicks into high gear and we respond before necessarily our rational thinking does mm-hmm. um, to keep us safe. So it's, it was originally, it's a good thing, that fight or flight, um, but it also kicks up there's a hormonal reaction when these yeah. things oh, kick yes. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you get adrenaline pumping, mm-hmm. um, and you get and which raises your heart rate. It does all these things physiologically as well as in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it works when a bear is after you. That's, right. That's a wonderful exactly. response. But what happens <laughs> is that quite often um, we perceive danger in the people around us or mm-hmm. situations around us that are not actually dangerous. And my spouse is not the bear. (laughs) Your spouse is not the bear. And yet your brain, because of what you've been through, because of whatever, Mm -hmm. your brain, your emotional limbic system part of your brain kicks in as if your spouse was a bear. Mm -hmm. And so you go into fight or flight and that Mm -hmm. adrenaline starts pumping, your body tenses up, your heart rate is racing, which are all physiological, physical symptoms that makes your brain go if my heart is pumping and I'm getting sweaty and my temperature is rising, there must be danger nearby. Mm. So it's a cyclical right. effect, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. like leads to the other, which leads back to the other. So it, it catches you into this system where you go, oh, it, my spouse must be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so then you have this emotional response um, and you are responding and you're heightened and the adrenaline is kicking in. And so here you are now yelling as if your life <laughs> depended on it against you're your just spouse. Getting too personal, Jen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if Jen is describing you right now, that's right, dear listener. Me, then yes. you you have been hijacked. That's right. Yes, yes. That's your amygdala. It's an actual part of your brain. It's the emotional center, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And your body keeps the score. Yes, yeah. and we call that the the amygdala hijack. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joseph, did you want to say speak to that? Like it, your your emotions literally take over your rational thought for a moment. Totally. I I know it was. It really helped give me um, a received grace mm. and to exercise self-compassion first when I learned about all of this because one, like you pointed out, Jeff, there's a difference in reaction time, you know, and processing time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the truth is that no matter how hard you work, you will always feel first and think second. It's it's like the, you know... Let's, Say that again, Joseph, <laughs> no matter how hard you try. <laughs> no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you know, you will always feel first and think second. Mm-hmm. It's like That's the good. whole, you know, shoot shoot first and ask questions later yeah. sort of mm-hmm. thing. That's what we do. And accepting that allows us to then have uh, adjust proper expectations. Because I know I've got a perfectionist bent in me. So for a while, I'd just be, oh, I'd be so discouraged because I'm like, man, I'm still getting hijacked. It's like, hey, buddy, you can't control 
right? Because we're talking about a very primitive part of the brain, mm-hmm. you know, the, also referred to as the lizard brain, right? Yeah. Um, because we're talking about a very primitive part, I, I don't actually have the ability to, to stop that. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's a necessary component mm-hmm. of how we are built and wired to help us navigate danger and mm-hmm. threat, Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? So when you have been um, hijacked, if you've experienced an amygdala hijack, the truth is, is that your prefrontal neocortex, that part of us that controls higher brain function, rationality, the ability to process, you know, the ability to communicate clearly and calmly, like we literally don't have access to it yeah, in a very right. real way until those RPMs that you described come back down, which is why this emotion, this process of learning the tools to facilitate emotional regulation are absolutely crucial if we want to be able to navigate conflict well. And ultimately, of course, if we want to develop healthy intimacy with our spouses, with our friends, and move towards that beautiful goal that Jeff outlined for us, which is what? The freedom to love, to love ourselves well in our humanness and our brokenness, Mm -hmm. um, complete with that pesky little amygdala that will fire off <laughs> when I don't want it to, yeah. you know, um, free to love other people That's in right. self-sacrificial sorts of ways so that, because Jeff, you've mentioned this earlier, if we are able to stay self-regulated, us being regulated in the presence of somebody who is dysregulated will assist them in regulating, right? Just call that yeah. co-regulation? Yeah, and I, and I, you know, a lot of counseling, um, I think if, some counseling focus on primarily on co-regulating, mm-hmm. and I I think um, I think that's good. However, I I, I think in God's uh, design of humanity is we first need to take responsibility of our own emotions. Mm-hmm. We so I need to be responsible for my own mm-hmm. emotional well-being before I can truly be in a in a healthy place to be empathetic and caring for other people, and to be empathetic and caring for other people. Is that I'm more then I can be present, I can be attuned, I can be engaging, mm-hmm. and I can begin to feel what other people are feeling apart from control, being codependent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, I wanna maybe I wanna make this a little more vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I wanna so I wanna ask this question. So what for you personally, what have been some of the cost of not being able to emotionally regulate. What have been some? Of, what are some of uh, your own personal costs? Um, what have been? What would you say? Uh, uh, maybe unidentified triggers or or unhealed wounds that, if you looked at your own story, that has caused pain for you and others. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> which we all have been through. So we're really, I, I'm really getting to the reality is, and I'll just share with you that when I am not able to be aware of my own emotionality, when I'm not attuned to those negative emotions, and, and which is interesting, do you know that 80% of our thinking is negative? Mm. So our, our, our brain has, our, um, it has a tendency to preserve itself and to go into protective mode and survival mode. So mm. I'm, our natural brain is going to to more focus on uh, negativity, and that also will impact our emotionality. So I know for me is that if I'm not attuned and aware 
of what I'm feeling, of those deep emotions of feeling devalued Mm. or feeling like I'm a failure or feeling that I'm not good enough, then I instinctively in point or two milliseconds reactively, I'll go to a place of wanting to escape, withdraw, hide, numb out and shut down. And I realize that's the way I, my, my body has been trained to protect itself. Mm-hmm. So emotionally, when I'm not able to monitor and be aware and identify that I'm feeling devalued or feeling um, not good enough, or I feel like I'm a failure, I immediately mm-hmm. put up the wall. I want to pull away, withdraw from my wife, from other people. I just want to escape, go turn on the TV, mm-hmm. numb out. And and then I can find myself in a place overwhelmed with negative emotions, and I can't even understand, well, how did I get here? Yeah. Why am I even feeling this? This is like, man, I'm feeling so overwhelmed. I'm feeling so burnt out. I'm feeling so depressed, or I'm feeling so discouraged. How did this happen? Mm-hmm. And so this is the journey for me that I've had to learn to slow down and realize that what and how do we, the process is then, is it true? And that's where objective truth we need to practice and we need to repeat, um, practice truth, objective truth. What does God say about me? Am I devalued? Mm-hmm. Am I not good enough? Yeah. Am I a failure? And no, that's a lie. Mm-hmm. I know that God loves me. I know that I'm significant. I know that I'm highly valued. And when I really believe that and I practice that truth and I meditate on that truth and I can rest in that truth, I don't have to withdraw. I don't have to pull away. I don't have to escape. Yeah. I can be present and be engaging and be curious. Yeah. So that's, I'm just going to give you an example for all of us. I'm sure that I'm not alone in those deep feelings of feeling I'm not good enough or I'm not a failure. But that is my cost has been when I've lived there, I've caused myself pain mm-hmm. and I've caused my wife a lot of pain and mm-hmm. people around me when I escape yeah. and I'm not able to be present. Yeah. I mean, and the power of that is even biological, like the knowing the truth of who God is and who he says that we are and what he allows for us to, how it, to he, how that love allows for us to actually connect with one another, that, those truths, it actually, when we feel that, when we experience that, it floods us with oxytocin, right? The other oh, yes. hormone, like, which yes. is actually counteracts all Touch. of those, yeah. those, um, the stress hormones that flood us when we perceive danger and threat and all that like heart racing, all that pumping, like crazy adrenaline, all that, the amygdala hijack mm-hmm. is soothed by the oxytocin that is released when we are experiencing safety and love. Mm-hmm. And Anna, do you like oxytocin or cortisol better? <laughs> <laughs> cortisol, the stress hormone <laughs> the you stress mean? Hormone. Versus the love bonding <laughs> yeah. hormone? Golly. Um, I, I just think it's a beautiful what God actually designed in us. That's right. Like, Isn't how cool is that? That yeah. these the the antithesis to all the stress and the anxiety feelings are His love and His truth, yeah. and us really walking in that and sitting in that. Mm-hmm. It has a physiological effect Impact, on yes. us. Totally. The other thing is is what I just shared in going through those four steps is the integration of my right mm-hmm. brain. Mm-hmm integrating into my logical brain of what is truth. That's the process of transformation and healing, when we, can, yeah. when we can walk through those steps. Yeah. 
Man, when you first asked that question, Jeff, I thought you were saying, when have we let our emotions get the better of us and we've not been able to, you know, they've they've caused our life go a little chaotic there. And I was was flooded with way too many (laughs) illustrations. I was like, golly, Jeff, which one do you want? (laughs) Do you want when I get overwhelmed by my toddler and I'm starting to get overly emotional and Mm -hmm. I want to respond in ways that I'm not proud of. And I go, wait a second, what am I modeling for her? What am I teaching her? And that is, I tell you that raising kids is a huge accountability. It's like right there in front of you and you go, she is three years old, Jennifer. What can you, you cannot expect her to, I was like, oh my gosh, Jen. And you is she gotta just to have check the yourself. Greatest mother in the world. Oh my Jen? gosh, no! Wow! Oh my gosh! I and that talk about self regulation, accountability. I'm like, okay, simmer down now, Jennifer. That's so funny. <laughs> Maybe it's because you know listeners can't see this, but Jen and I are kind of seated next to each other in Jeff's office, and Jeff is across, you know, sitting in the position of authority. So <laughs> I, I also was flooded with um, thoughts of, oh. Oh no! Uh, how real do I want to get? I mean, do I want to talk about yesterday morning where I yeah. was not able to emotionally self-regulate and I stormed out of the house, you know, and I needed—I drove away and needed, you know, fifteen minutes before I could connect with Kelly on the phone and be like, "Hey, this is what I was feeling," and, and go through that process of reconnecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I just really want to get you guys triggered. Yeah, you know, thanks <laughs> a lot, man. I, I, um, I think we need to wrap things up here, but. Uh, and I'll give you guys the opportunity to have the last word. T- just two little things that I wanted to say uh, that I think are important for saying. We are not saying, you know, that um, when we're talking about being hijacked, um, it's very important that you, we don't view that as license mm-hmm. to treat people poorly or to treat ourselves poorly. That's right. Right? You, it's not an excuse. Exactly. It's not an excuse. And Jeff, you spoke to that directly when you said, hey, we really need to take responsibility for our own emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know, I know I have when I am hijacked, been like, well, give me a break. I'm hijacked right now. You know, <laughs> we, we learn some of these, t- these, um, these terms and, and some of this knowledge and we start using it as, um, you know, a way to give ourselves a little bit of a, um, an out. And I, I just don't want to see us not mention that, hey, this will help us give ourselves grace and to receive the grace that God is extending us when we get hijacked, it helps yeah. us. This knowledge should help us develop compassion and extend grace to other right. people when we can clearly yeah. see that they are in a state of hijack. But it never gives permission for abusive behavior yeah. or speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the the you know on this conversation about the chemical side of what's happening in our brain, and yeah, the, being flooded with cortisol or, you know, that we have this built-in repair mechanism called oxytocin that is released when we engage in healthy intimacy and connection. Um, It is worth noting too that, hey, for some people, because I'm one of those people, my brain typically is wrestling with a chemical imbalance, right? Mm. So this is, because I know there's a lot of people that will beat themselves up over um, not being able to to regulate, you know, that maybe that person wrestles with anger issues. Maybe that person wrestles with depression, you know, mm-hmm. cyclical depression or whatnot. Anxiety. Um, yeah. Anxiety. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there is a chemical component. We always believe that there's a spiritual component because we believe that undergirds spirituality mm-hmm. is in, inseparable from our biology, from mm-hmm. our emotionality. It, you know, we view that it's bedrock, but, um, 
some of us need a little bit of extra help. Yeah. And that's, that's wonderful. And that's like, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we're, what we are hoping for is, um, the proper place of emotions, Mm -hmm. the, that they're not devalued. You don't have to hide them and stuff them, nor are they king of the world that determine our realities. We are saying that emotions are this beautiful gift from God that Mm -hmm. help us to experience the fullness of our humanity, to help us connect with one another, to give us insight into where we are and how we are doing and how we're processing the world around us. Um, It Sometimes it shows us what our calling is, Mm -hmm. what we're really passionate about, what God has really designed us to do. Um, Our emotions can be a good read of that Mm -hmm. they can also Mm -hmm. be a read of some undealt with pain that he wants to heal us of so we're putting we're trying to put emotions in their proper wonderful place Mm -hmm. and and allow us um to use them for our growth and our maturity that they're not just a cul-de-sac of cool that's the way i feel all right i guess Mm -hmm. that's the end of the day but actually use them as a um a guide for growth and maturity Mm -hmm. and um that's what we're hoping for so we want to help people do um to integrate their whole selves together. Amen. Yeah. And I, I really, I, I think it's right that we tie this in, into the work of Jesus and yeah. the finished work of Christ and that God came to, to redeem our heartaches. He came yeah. to heal the brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. And with, with living in a place of a broken heart, to live with a heartache, there's so much painful, dark emotion. And yet Jesus meets us in that pain. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we need to face the fact that a lot of secondary emotion, there's primary emotion, a lot of our secondary emotion is destructive. It is sin. Mm-hmm. We've hurt a lot of people mm-hmm. in our reactivity. And yet the good news is this is why Jesus died. And in, in Isaiah 53, he said, it's a, <coughs> excuse me, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain Mm -hmm. and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace, shalom, was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. Mm. That's such a powerful um, rem- a, a rem- to remind ourselves of who Jesus is, and that wherever we are emotionally, that he can embrace, and he can take on all of our pain, mm. and then in substitutional way, he can give us joy, he can give us peace, he can give us love. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, that's a hopeful note to end on, right? We always want to be pointing people towards hope and towards the truth that uh, the reason why we're doing this work, this podcast, the men's skills, women's skills, uh, is because we firmly do believe the good news that you just outlined there, Jeff, that uh, because of who God is and um, because of Christ entering into our humanity and into history, we have been invited and empowered by the Holy Spirit to move from being trapped in a world of pain and chaos and to move towards the land of peace and that freedom to be able to love 
ourselves, to love God, to love the world, to love one another. Jen, any final word? I like that you opened this by saying um, to share emotions, it takes a lot of courage because it's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it is brave and wonderful to allow people in to see that the depths of your soul like that. Um, and it's a part of sharing ourselves, and that's a good and beautiful thing that um, is part of what makes us connected. Mm-hmm. So go share your emotions with somebody today. <laughs> <laughs> the right. redemptive ones. Yeah, the redemptive yeah. ones. Well, thanks so much, guys. Um, we'll see you next time for well, the next chapter. There you go. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have questions or need help or for more information about how to take the next step in your healing journey, please feel free to email us at ftlpod at northcoastcalvary.org or head over to the relationshipresource.org to learn about what classes and resources are available to support you. A big thanks to North Coast Calvary Chapel and the Relationship Resource for making this podcast possible. Our podcast was directed and produced by Joseph Carlson and edited by Nate King. Original music by the one and only Brian McMaster.